Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. This is the Turn on the Jets Podcast. Turn on the Jets Podcast. Now, here's your host, Joe Caparoso. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Turn on the Jets podcast. I'm your host, Joe Caparoso, owner of TurnOnTheJets.com. This week, we're joined by New York Jets team reporter Eric Allen to talk about the upcoming offseason, the recent coaching hires, and the Jets' upcoming New Jersey release. We hit on a wide range of topics, even more than the ones I just rolled through there. It's about a 22, 23-minute interview that we're going to get into in the next six or seven minutes or so. Before we jump in, I'm going to rip through a couple of mailbag questions I got on Twitter, and then we'll switch over to the interview. Before I answer the questions, want to remind you guys to hit us with a rating, hit us with a review on iTunes. Podcast is also available on Spotify, Google Play. We'll tweet those links out as they go live. Uh, this week's episode did run on a Friday. Normally, we'll stick to our Thursday release. We just bumped it back one day for this week, but we'll be in regular weekly Thursday releases throughout the rest of the offseason with a few extra episodes sprinkled in as the news picks up around free agency. We'll probably do a couple weekend episodes as well, so just stay tuned on the feed, and you'll get everything uh, as it gets released. Of course, give me a follow on Twitter at jcaparoso for endless ranting about the Jets and some other stuff as always. All right, quick few minutes of Twitter questions here before we jump into the interview with Eric. Question from Bill Berg. Rumor is Antonio Brown will go for a third rounder. Thoughts on giving that up for Antonio Brown with the idea that Mac trades back into the top 10 and recoups some extra day two picks. Never mind the potential recoup of other picks. If you could get Antonio Brown for just a third round pick, which I don't know if that's actually possible, you do it. You have a quarterback on – it's very similar to my argument for getting Le'Veon Bell. You have a quarterback on a rookie contract. You have the cap space to do it. He's one of the three to five best receivers in the NFL. The money lines up well with Sam's rookie deal. You get him for a third-round pick. You be aggressive, and you make the move. Don't want to hear about the culture. Don't want to hear about the locker room problems. Pittsburgh has won more than enough with Antonio Brown. The Jets went to the AFC Championship game multiple times with Santonio Holmes and Braylon Edwards. Score points, win games. No one wants to hear about the culture anymore. They've missed the playoffs eight years in a row. Go get playmakers when they are available. I don't think it's going to happen for just a third-round pick, but if it does or if it could, then see what you could do. Let's see here. Uh, uh, we got a question from Dilly 21 If someone takes a quarterback one or two, what do you do? Take Allen or trade down and take an offensive lineman? I'd love if the Jets could trade down and take an offensive lineman unless Nick Bosa is there at number three. I think he's a no-brainer to take with that pick. And 
could be a real game-changing talent off the edge. I'm not sure anybody else is really at that level, whether that's an Allen or a Farrell or Quentin Williams, who's an interior player. I think the Jets are going to be at, in a spot where they end up trying to trade down like crazy uh, because of how the talent at the top of the board is breaking out. Now, trading down is easier said than done, uh, but hopefully they could find a willing partner in a team who's trying to move up to get a quarterback. Question from JetLife RDT: Will the Jets make use of RPO concepts, which seem to cause significant difficulties for defenses? I'd like to see them do it a little more. I think Sam Donald's more mobile and athletic than he gets credit for. I remember Ryan Tannehill gashing the Jets on a few RPOs in their Week Two matchup last year, so that was Adam Gase's offense. So my guess is we'll see a higher percentage of RPOs with Gase than we did with Jeremy Bates, who couldn't get out of his own way with his playing play calling and you know wasn't doing anything creative in that sense so i hope we see it integrated into the offense at a decent enough value not to the point where it's going to volume not to the point where it's going to potentially lead to sam Darnold getting hurt but i do think it's something with his athleticism they should experiment with let's see here Mm-mm-mm. question from josh a do you see us drafting a running back in rounds three to five this year Sure. I think it depends how the board breaks. I think there is some middle-round talent available at that position that could be intriguing. I think it's going to depend also how free agency plays out. If the Jets spend you know, $60, $70 million on Le'Veon Bell and keep Isaiah Crowell and still have Elijah McGuire on the roster, I don't necessarily know if they're going to end up drafting another running back after picking two in the past two years. Although, I don't know if Trenton Cannon's really going to stick long-term. Uh, but it depends how free agency breaks. If they miss on Bell and Tevin Coleman stays with the Falcons and Mark Ingram goes somewhere else, running back can become a much higher priority position in the NFL draft. So this is going to be one of those things where free agency, I think, really uh, dictates how this plays out in the NFL draft. Question from Davey Tarts. I expect Greg Williams to run multiple defensive fronts, but where do you see Lee Williamson and Jenkins fit into his defense? Hoping Williams can get creative to still utilize Jenkins, who's been a bright spot. Look, I think this is an interesting question, and it's going to be interesting to see what Greg Williams... He's been in the NFL for a long time, had varying degrees of success. I think part of what makes a coach good and successful is the ability to evolve their thinking and use players to the best of their ability. Use what you have at your disposal and not be overly stubborn and say, we have to do things my way and in my scheme, and if you don't fit, you don't fit. Why New England is always successful is that they don't have just one scheme. You know, They played man most of the year. They switched to playing zone the entire Super Bowl. Uh, they went from being pass-heavy to being a power-run offense. You've got to be able to be flexible based on the personnel you have. And you look at some of the players that Jet fans are particularly excited about that McCagnan has added, Jordan Jenkins, Henry Anderson, Avery Williamson. On paper, those guys are not really great fits in a 4-3. Now, I don't think Greg Williams is going to exclusively play a 4-3. I think they're going to mix and match between nickel, sub-defense, even some 3-4 looks. I don't necessarily think that they're going to be moving on from guys who are under contract like Williamson or Jenkins. I think with Anderson, yeah, it makes it a little less likely he's going to be back. He's probably going to try to find a team who plays a 4-3. I think with Williamson, they're going to have to be creative on you know putting him in positions where he's not going to have to cover too much, uh, and he might be become a little bit more of a two-down linebacker than a three-down linebacker, a guy who plays 60 or 70% of the snaps, not 90 or 100% of the snaps. 
With Jenkins, it's tough. I mean, can he put his hand in the dirt more frequently and occasionally be a 4-3 end? Uh, can the Jets mix in some 3-4 looks to have him set the edge? We're going to see. I mean, there's a chance his role could get diminished, but there should be a spot for him. The Jets have enough positions to turn over without creating two more by moving on from Jenkins and Williamson. Um, question from Stevie Ray. Relationship between Greg Williams and Joe Vitt. Chancing this, chances this coaching staff implodes. Look, I think it's a fair and it's kind of a funny question. The Jets have an interesting dynamic on their coaching staff, multiple interesting dynamics, and it might not end up mattering, but it's impossible not to talk about that. Adam Gase hired Joe Vitt, who testified against Greg Williams in the Bounty Gate case and is also Adam Gase's father-in-law, and that Greg Williams hired his son uh, to be an assistant on the defensive staff, and apparently it was initially a problem with Adam Gase, and his son had some issues with some players in Cleveland. It's going to be interesting to watch. We're not going to get to watch it on Hard Knocks, unfortunately, which would have been that much more fun. Look, all people care about is winning. I don't know if people care if there is actual fighting behind the scenes. Just win football games and no one worries about this stuff. If this team is struggling, then I think people talk about these things more. They're definitely interesting to talk about right now, though, because, you know, to have the father-in-law and the son and the bounty gate history and the personalities of Gase and Williams, it could be a combustible situation. I don't know how you could say there's a chance it might not be. Uh, one last question from Luke Sweatpants Guy, uh, which I think is pretty interesting, and I'm just going to try to answer off the top of my head here. Um, if you could have one player within the division to join the Jets, who would it be? You know, I'm trying to think long term here, and that you get him for the next five to ten years. You know, we got our boy Sam Campy Brady. He's going to probably retire in the next year or two. Gronk is basically at the end here. Edelman's a little further along. I'm I'm going through the Patriot guys in my head. I'd love to get Trey Flowers. He's going to be available in free agency. That would be a nice addition. Uh, you know, you look over to Buffalo. Uh, kind of a talent thin team. You know, best days are probably behind Shady McCoy. Nobody who jumps off the page at receiver. Uh, I look at New England, I'd love to get my hands on Shaq Mason to be an interior offensive lineman. I think he's one of the underrated key pieces on that team. Uh, you know, Miami, also a, a pretty th- talent-thin team. Adding a guy maybe like Minka Fitzpatrick to the back end would be nice. Maybe uh, adding a guy like Kenyon Drake to the mix if they if they missed everything in free agency. But I think I might go with Shaq Mason. Get you know, Go get one of those top-tier offensive linemen and help protect Sam. Good question, though. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. We are now joined by this week's guest. I believe it's his third or fourth time on the podcast, so longtime friend of the pod, Eric Allen from the New York Jets. Eric, how you doing? Joe, thanks for having me on as always. It's always great to catch up with you. So you've been a busy guy this offseason. There's been a lot of change and a lot of news around our team. What have your first impressions been uh, with the coaching and the overall coaching staff change, what what has the vibe and the energy been in the building? You were, of course, part of, uh, you know, the introductory press conference and the whole process of rolling out Coach Gase. What, what have been your initial thoughts on on what you've seen? And did you ever have any, you know, pre existing you know relationship with him prior to him coming into the uh, organization? I did not know Adam Gase at all prior to uh, the Jets hiring him. Um, obviously they went through that exhaustive search, which Joe, these things move so quickly nowadays. I feel like in the past, when you're talking about coaches search, uh, coaching searches, they used to take weeks, but uh, the Jets went through a number of candidates, um, after the, 
um, offseason began, and I think they quickly targeted Gase. Uh, we know about his tenure with the Miami Dolphins. What stood out to me with Gase in particular was uh, Ryan Tannehill missed the 24 games there with the Dolphins, as we all know, during his three years. But that first year, um, Gase led the Dolphins to a 10-6 record. And I thought he did a pretty good coaching job this past season because I did not think that the Dolphins overwhelmed it at all with talent where he had them at 7-6 and six down the stretch. But uh, as far as my impression, after meeting the guy and spending a little time with him, he has a lot of energy. He has a lot of passion. And what has stood out to me, Joe, is that uh, the people I've talked to around the league who've actually worked with him at various organizations, whether that be uh, Denver or Chicago or Miami, a lot of people say, hey, that's my guy. That's my guy. So meaning that it, he, he establishes good relationships uh, in every building he's been in uh, so far in the National Football League. And I know, obviously, uh, some issues down the stretch. Uh, with ownership down there in Miami, but uh, to a man, the people that I've talked to have worked with Gates over the years um, have said, this guy is a great guy. You're going to enjoy working with him, not just from a content perspective, from, but from a building perspective. And uh, he's very excited, uh, and this goes without saying, uh, to work with a young quarterback. And he said that multiple times um, publicly that he's never been in this situation before. But Joe, when I was thinking about the head coach, too, was one of the most important questions I thought the Jets could ask somebody was who were going to be your top lieutenants, who are going to be your assistant coaches, especially if you go in the offensive direction, which, with, which is what the Jets did. And I think they hit a home run with the addition of Greg Williams as defensive coordinator. Again, another guy who is well-respected in the National Football League. Uh, I was on a, you mentioned before, uh, I believe that I was on the ground in Orlando, and I was talking to various people from various organizations about Williams, and I said, this guy can flat-out coach, and he's going to get the best out of your personnel. And I also thought it was big that the Jets were able to retain Brand Boyer after what the special teams did last season. Looking through now that we got the release of the entire coaching staff, Gase and Williams, of course, the big headline additions, big personalities, guys who've had uh, made notable impacts in their previous in their previous stops and are, are very much known for being deep within their side of the football. Were there any positional coaches or supporting hires that particularly jumped off the page to you when you saw the final overall coaching staff released outside of the main uh, two or three who are going to be at the top of the infrastructure? Yeah, I think it's a good question. I, I, I do think, I do like these uh, this staff that Gates and Williams have assembled. Uh, no surprise that Denard Wilson uh, was retained because obviously the experience with Greg Williams with the Rams, but I, I think uh, Frank Bush is a very very impressive guy. He's got an assistant head coaching position, uh, and he'll be in charge of the inside linebackers. And I think uh, moving forward for the Jets, uh, you know, what I want to see here is, and I think a lot of people uh, want to see is, uh, can Darren Lee take that next step uh, 
for this franchise. And uh, I know Frank Bush, a lot of people around the league think awfully highly of him. And uh, Williams and Gates brought him on board, assistant head coach, uh, assistant head coaching position. John Dunn is another guy who's going to head up to the tight ends. And then, uh, um, you know, it, it caught me a little bit off guard, Joe, that Jim Bob Cooter uh, brought to staff here is running backs coach, guy with a lot of experience in the league as he was finishing out of staff, as Gates was finished out of staff. But the, a couple of the guys, so I wasn't surprised with Wilson coming back because that connection with Williams. But uh, I think Frank Bush is an awfully impressive guy. And I'm going to be interested to see what the Jets get out of Darren Lee in 2019. And then also on the offensive side of the ball, John Dunn, John Dunn uh, he's got an interesting resume. Looking at free agency, the Jets are going to have the flexibility to be very aggressive, probably going to net out somewhere a little over $100 million in cap space. Are there any names in particular that you expect to be in that first wave day one targets? I always think back to the story of you know Rex Ryan being on Bart Scott's doorstep the second free agency opened. Who, whose doorstep are the Jets going to be on when free agency opens on March 13th this year with the amount of cap space they have? Well, that, that is a great question, and I know you continue to talk to the fans about this, and you have a great pulse for the folks out there. And I know the person that is on everybody's minds uh, who is a Jets fan, and I think a lot of people want the Jets to go in this direction, is Le'Veon Bell. If he becomes an unrestricted free agent in March, which we all anticipate, um, I don't, I couldn't tell you. Uh, because it's so early in the process, and uh, Adam Gates is not going to tell anybody this prior to going into free agency what he thinks of Bell, but his production, uh, you can't argue with what he's done um, with the Steelers. And, uh, you know, he was never a speed guy, Joe, and you know that, but his vision and patience is unbelievable. And what he can do in terms of catching the football is very impressive. I think the Jets um, got to make the determination. Um, can this guy fit inside the locker room? Uh, is he the right uh, cultural fit? And also, at the same time, uh, you don't want to break the bank for guys. I know early on in free agency, you mentioned the Bart Scott bit. The Jets were helped on, on getting him in here, and I thought that was a very good signing. But Jimmy Leonard was a great signing, too, because those guys came in and basically, effectively, were coaches. They could help implement the Rex Ryan system. So, uh, you know, for the Jets, uh, I think for any team in the National Football League, and you know this uh, better than anybody, that you can't go in early on on multiple guys because what what ends up happening, if you, you start going four or five guys deep early on in free agency in that first wave, you're paying over the market value on guys. Uh, I do believe you got to target guys early on, uh, one, uh, one to two players who who are going to get those lucrative contracts. But you can't uh, fill your roster up with guys who are making over the market money. Uh, I'm going to be fascinated to see if any of these edge guys going to come free, because um, edge guys, we've been talking about this for years. Is who's going to be the guy? to come in and keep offensive coordinators up at night on Saturdays before they got to protect 
against the Jets. And a lot of people will go back all the way back to 2000 when the Jets drafted Sean Ellis and then uh, John Abraham. And John Abraham was the best pure edge pass rusher this team has had for the past two decades. And um, typically, you know this, that a lot of those guys will not reach the market. They're going to get a lot of tags out there. But will any of these guys spring free? Um, that defensively, uh, I think the Jets got to somehow help themselves on the outside because I think then the defense looks a lot different. Uh, I, I really have a lot of confidence in Greg Williams and what he's going to do with his guys because he'll play various fronts. I know people are talking about the 4-3, uh, the anticipated move over there. But if you look at the Browns' defense and how a multiple they were last year. I, I think they ended up playing a lot of three, four, and you sub packages so much anyway. But can you get an edge pass rusher in here? Offensively, yes, running back. Um, but also, I'd like to build from the inside out. But again, you don't want to get a contract like uh, Nate Soldier where you're paying over the market. Over the market money for a guy who comes in, and no offense to him or the Giants, but was not a great player, was not above average player for you. But I would like the Jets to build from the inside out and build that um, offensive line up because I like the players they have and Sam Darnold, the Robbie Andersons, the Quincy Newton was. Can you get in a guy in here? who can help you at the slot receiver position. you got to like what you have in Chris Herndon already, but, uh, you know, you got to go back to running backs. And if you don't go in the direction of Le'Veon Bell, uh, you know the names that are out there just as well as me, whether it's a Mark Ingram or a Kevin Coleman. Who are you interested in there? I don't know. Uh, if for, from any organization standpoint, I know I'm being long-winded here, but <laughs> I, I, I don't know um, – you got to be fully committed in Bell that he's going to come in here, he's going to buy into your system because we know he's going to be productive on the football field and he could be a great asset to a guy like Dan Darnold. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens. But that's not to say that those other guys that I mentioned and there are other uh, running backs down the list can come in here and be productive as well. And, uh, you know, the draft is another thing we've got to look at too. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Looking at their current roster, and you, you've had a good pulse for this in the past when we previously talked, who are some guys that are a little further down the depth chart, a little further down the roster, uh, that are flying under the radar and could have a bigger role or a bigger impact next year? Guys that maybe didn't get much of an opportunity this season, guys who spent some time in the practice squad or maybe only started playing late in the year, uh, but could step into a bigger role and that people in the building are particularly excited about? Well, I don't know if this is a fair way for me to answer this because you are you're putting me uh, on the hot seat here because the draft pick last year. Uh, but I, I would point to Nathan Shepard, and I know he's an early-round draft pick last year because a lot of people were wondering, well, where was their production um, in year one? Uh, I'm very interested to see, Joe, uh, how Greg Williams uses Shepard in this defense. And uh, I do think, um, even though he was an older rookie last year, I do think he has quite an upside, and I think that 
Um, he could play a key role for the Jets, not just as a starter, but as more of an impact, uh, impactful player for them in uh, 2019. You know, um, that's one guy who stands out to me, and he's not, he, he's not a practice squad guy. Um, yeah, and then on the other side of the ball, I think the Jets got some key questions to answer uh, along that offensive line. You're talking about a guy like James Carpenter who came in, I believe he was part of that 2015 free agency class. He's playing a left guard forever. So who's going to be on that left side of the line and who also is going to be the center position? I like what Jonathan Harrison did last year in the filling role, but you parted ways with Spencer Long. So, I mean, I think some of the guys, as far as who is going to be coming up and things like that, I think we got to find out where they're going in free agency. And I'm not taking, I hope you you don't think I'm taking the easy way out here, but I, I, I'm really going to keep an eye on Shepard and his development in year two because I think that he, he could be a key player for this team moving forward. But the other thing is, Joe has us right about this. The Jets had 23 unrestricted free agents. 23. I don't remember ever going into an offseason when the Jets had quite so many unrestricted free agents. So uh, you have to determine who you're going to retain in here. And again, under the radar guy for the Jets last year was Henry Anderson. But a lot of people think, well, hey, with Greg Williams coming in here, maybe he is a you know, perfect fit. And also, for this team, we can go to some, so many positions, but Who's the quarterbacks for this team in 2019? Because you know Tremaine Johnson's coming back. Morris Claiborne and Buster Screen both unrestricted. So who are, who's going to be the guys who are filling those roles at, on the outside and the inside for this team? And then offensively, um, you know, I go back to the offensive line, like I was talking about Carp before, uh, and that center position. We're going to fill those spots. I, I think a lot of questions for this Jets uh, roster right now remain unanswered. You've been with the team for a while. Seeing some of the recent struggles, seeing how teams with a quarterback on their rookie contract have recently made a really quick jump into being competitive. The Bears, the Rams, the Eagles, uh, even going a little further back to the jump the Colts made uh, when they acquired Andrew Luck. Is it fair with the draft capital the Jets have and have had recently in the cap space that they have to expect this team to make a notable jump and be playing competitive games into late December for a playoff spot. Obviously, you know, it's been eight years overall from the organization. It's going to be year five for McCagnan, year one for Gase, coming off 5-11, and 5-11, 4-12. Is this the year that Jet fans can expect a team who's 500 or better? And is that going to be the expectation that is pushed, you know, throughout this building and throughout the organization that, look, it's been a rough few years, but now is the time to cash in and, and make our jump to being a competitive team in this conference? Before I get to that, I just thought of something while you were asking that question. It's an under-the-radar guy, and I don't even know if this goes for under-the-radar. Trent Cannon was phenomenal on special teams last year. Uh, just unbelievable in terms of what he brought to the gunner position. Um, and I know Brant Boyer is very excited to be back, and one of the guys that he's pumped up about is Cannon. Eli McGuire is also another guy with Paul Paul. 
being an unrestricted free agent and his uh, future being uncertain in terms of where he's going to be playing is that Eli McGuire is another guy we got to keep our eyes on. But Cannon is not a practice squad guy, but he was a late-round pick last year. He was a speed demon on special teams. I think that we should continue to watch his development. Joe, you wrote, uh, you wrote about that question uh, recently, and I believe uh, I actually had an opportunity to read it. I do think that um, if you're a fan and you're looking at this organization and you looked at the development of Sam Darnold late last year and you're equipped with this cap space and you just mentioned a number of examples of teams making that jump in their rookie uh, in their quarterbacks uh, or first contract from year one to year two. I think it is reasonable to expect the Jets to make uh, a jump up and be playing um, football, meaningful football in December. I've always looked at it. The jump from four wins to nine is not, was not that big as a jump from maybe nine to 11 or 12. And I think in a league that's based on parity, uh, and where you have your situation at quarterback, the best it's been, I would say, Joe, since 2002, maybe, when you have Pennington, you have healthy Pennington in here, um, and some pieces around you. Yeah, I think it is reasonable to expect the Jets to make a jump. Uh, the caution here is, though, uh, I go back to the unrestricted free agents. You got 23 unrestricted free agents. You got to determine what pieces, what depth guys, what role of position players you want to keep in house, and then you got to get uh, production out of some of your free agents immediately. Uh, but I do think it is definitely reasonable to expect the, the Jets to make a jump. Um, in Adam Gase's first season. Remember, he took over the Dolphins. Again, we can go back to that. In his first season, he won 10 games. And you've also mentioned a number of times yourself, and I've looked at it too, is that a lot of Jets uh, coaches in their first years have experienced uh, success off of the bat. And and I think uh, the Jets are positioned uh, definitely to be a better football team. With that being said, there's so many roster questions that we'll have to take a look at and, and talk about here in a couple months because this is going to be uh, a really um, busy free agency because it's not just the money, it's the number of transactions you have to make. And then you're sitting there with the third overall pick again, which is... I know right now people aren't too high in this quarterback class, but history tells you somebody is going to want to take a quarterback in the top five. Is, is that a team who wants to get up there and get at Dwayne Haskins? Maybe. I don't think it hurts either that Murray came out and said he's going to uh, be fully committed to being an NFL quarterback. I don't think that hurts the Jets at all either. I mean, are they in position to take an edge guy right there at three? Do they like a Bosa? Would he slip to a three? Was Josh Allen a guy who maybe Greg Williams and Adam Gates loved? Did he take a tackle there? Did he get out and add some draft capital? I, I think the Jets uh, definitely have a very good opportunity to get better this spring, and I would anticipate that Sam Darnold's going to be a lot better player in year two. I think the guy we saw down the stretch is 
hopefully the guy you see for the majority of the second season. All right, final question before we let you go. There might be no thing outside of Sam Darnold's future that fans are more excited about than the upcoming new uniform release. It's all they talk about. Everyone's passing around rumors. I talked to this guy's crazy Reddit threads going around. Obviously, no, you can't you know, reveal too, too much here. What is a rough timeline in terms of when we could expect these release and what, what can you give fans to, you know, continue to keep them excited and keep them waiting here for what to expect in the coming weeks? Well, rough timeline. Um, I, I would say April, May, I, I'm thinking uh, definitely spring. I'm not thinking March, uh, but uh, could they, could they be unveiled? April, May, I think, I think that's definitely a possibility. And I think the fans are going to like them. I really do. I'm not just saying that. And you know it, that there are people out there who are on social media right now who are going to hate everything you do, but it doesn't matter. I think the majority, the best um, product, uh, I guess best focus group you would have for uh, these uniforms, I think, are some of the guys who have already seen them internally, uh, players, guys like uh, Jamal Adams, who uh, uh, the production team here, the Jets 360 production team, did a nice tease with Adams and looking at the jerseys. But the reaction of some of these players was overwhelmingly positive. So that makes me think, because I got a couple years on these guys, Joe, that makes me think that there are a lot of people coming up, teenagers, guys in their 20s, ladies in their 20s, uh, people who know uh, fashion inside and out, sports fashion inside and out. I think I think people are going to like these uniforms a lot. And I think there'll be a, a, a surprise uh, in there and add a surprise in there. But I do think that people are going to like these uniforms. All right. We're all looking forward to seeing them roll out. Everyone can go get their new Sam Darnold, Jamal Adams, maybe a Le'Veon Bell. We'll see. Uh, but people are going to be excited <laughs> about buying that New Jersey. Eric Allen, New York Jets team insider. Give him a follow on Twitter. You could follow all his work on NewYorkJets.com. Eric, thank you as always for joining us. Joe, I, the time always flies by, but uh, I, I always like catching up. Absolutely, man. We'll talk again this offseason.